So, my friends, what are you hoping for for Christmas this year? Did you make up a list? You know? Check it twice, see who's naughty or nice. You know, that's what Santa does, right? I, I imagine kids um, are still sending lists to Santa Claus of things they might want. I don't know whether it goes through the mail anymore or whether it gets via email to the North Pole. I have no idea. But I imagine both are, are happening at this point. I've got a list. You know, that's what we do, and I've drawn up my list, and we sort of then make it available. It actually is uh, online. <laughs> and, you know, we pick in our family, uh, pick and choose what we might want to buy. I'm, I'm looking for a new sweatshirt. I've made that known. I'm looking potentially for a Kindle, you know, electronic reading. I can buy books for 99 cents instead of $30. I think, why not? I'm from Scotland. That works for me. Especially if somebody else buys me the Kindle, right? Uh, and I could go on, but we've got our lists. And just a number of days from now, we're going to figure out what we actually re you know, receive from the lists that we have presented. But I want to ask you this today. Have you ever hoped to get peace for Christmas? Has that ever been on the list? Has that ever been something that you sat back and said, man, I would love to have peace in my life, and maybe I could get it this Christmas? Well, last week we began the, uh, the, the sermon time by reading the Christmas story from Luke chapter 2. You know it's, it's pretty well that Caesar Augustus ordered a census to be taken of the entire Roman world, Mary and Joseph traveling to Bethlehem, there Jesus is born, and it concluded with this verse, which we focused on then and which we'll focus on tonight, verse 14 of chapter 2. Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. We looked at the verse and, and the trend, the, the, the way that it was, if you would, applied by a man named John Piper who said this, because Jesus was born, there would be a never-ending flow of glory to God. Can we put the verse up again, please? A never-ending flow of glory to God from us. So glory to God in the highest. And, and from that point on, we just continue to glorify God for what he has done. And then John Piper uh, wrote, and a never-ending flow of peace from God to us and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests you know my friends my question for you I suppose is who who wants that never-ending flow of peace into their lives think of it visualize it this this flow this river of peace coming from the throne of God into your heart and into your mind who wants that this Christmas so interesting, you know, that this peace, uh, to whom this peace is given, it, it says in our, in our verse that um, it's for those on whom the favor of God's rests. The old translation is a little bit different. The King James Version, which I grew up with decades ago, said, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. The implication is that everybody gets it. But that's a bad translation. This translation we have is really pretty good. To those on whom his favor rests, peace is given. See, God bestows his favor on us, on some. And this word favor is really interesting because it's actually um, translated favor from the word in Greek that is nearly always translated grace, charis. It's the only one time in seven, and this word grace is used so often in the New Testament, only one time of seven in the New Testament where this word is translated favor. But what's being spoken of is grace. The grace of God where, where God gives to people what they don't deserve. 
God freely gives out of love to people like you and me what we don't deserve to have. He gives us his favor. Exactly the same thing. See, grace is, is you and me getting God's mercy, having gotten it in many instances. We don't deserve it, but we get it. it it's you and me getting God's forgiveness, if you've received it. You don't deserve it. I don't deserve it. Like, literally, but it's God being good to us in spite of what we deserve. It's, it's, it's us getting the love of God flowing into our lives, God acting for us, God's presence in our lives, His goodness, given to us, even though we don't deserve it, and we don't. It's us becoming the children of God. It is us because of forgiveness and, and mercy. It's us becoming the, the, the children of God. We don't deserve to be in His family, not even close. But God bestows His favor on you and on me through that incredible reality of having our eyes open to see who he is, see our own condition, seeking forgiveness, believing in Jesus, the gift of God, faith, and us becoming his. You see, this peace was given to those on whom his favor would rest. And those people are those who receive Christ by faith, those who become part of the family of God. Now, I want to tell you, my friends, this this only could happen, obviously, because Jesus came. If Jesus didn't come to Bethlehem that night, if he didn't lie in that uh, manger, and if he didn't rise up and, and, and live his life and ultimately go to the cross, give his life as a ransom for us, as he said he would do prior to his death, which he actually did in the cross, <laughs> we wouldn't have this favor. And we wouldn't have peace with God. And I want to tell you the most important experience of peace that we can have is this experience of peace with God through the mercy of God given, through the forgiveness of God given, through salvation given, all because of Jesus. Start off today by simply asking you the question, do you have peace with God? Have you embraced it? Have you taken hold of it? You see, the Bible says so, so clearly we're all in two camps. Paul writes in Romans that we are at enmity with God. Literally means we're enemies of God. We might not know it, but that's what Paul writes. <clears throat> that we're all in rebellion against God. It might be huge and it might be minor, but it doesn't matter if we have not found peace, if we have not engaged peace with God, then we are living in rebellion against God, refusing his rule and reign in our lives as the Bible defines what that rule and reign is. And as a result of all of that, we are alienated from the Lord. That's one camp. And the other camp is people who have found peace with God through faith in Jesus. It's that simple. People who have moved beyond rebellion, people who have moved beyond refusing the rule and reign of God, people who have, who have moved beyond being the enemy of God to being the friend of God, people who were once alienated but are no longer. They're in relationship with the living God, and we call him Father, and he calls us sons and daughters. Peace with God through the person of Jesus. Look at this verse, Romans 5, these verses 5, 1 and 2. Paul writing, Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight, other translations would say that we have been given righteousness, but it's the same thing. Since we've been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. 
Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege. There's the favor, right? <laughs> the favor. God being good to us when we don't deserve it. He's brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand. This is our place before the Lord. And we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. See, my friends, the critical question for any, every human life, every single human life, very simply, is have we taken hold of peace with God made available to us through Jesus Christ? And I ask you today, have you? Which camp are you in? What, do you, what have you chosen? I want to tell you, this peace with God is foundational to all other peace that you might know as a follower of Jesus. Everything. Because number one, what that foundational peace, when this, this never-ending flow of peace moves into our lives and we are reconciled with God and we have peace with God, what that then in, in turn can produce is a personal peace. Peace in my life, peace in my heart. And I want to tell you, for a lot of people, that's a very hard thing to find. And sometimes even as believers, although it's available to us, it's still hard to find. But it's, it's possible now. A lot of people live with turmoil of some sort, right? Struggle, heartache, difficulty, challenge. You know, I think of people who live with fear or anxiety, people who are, have insecurities about themselves and it causes difficulties, people who have a past and they can't get beyond it and they struggle in life because of that past. My goodness, it's not uncommon for people to have trouble and to be troubled in life. Think of COVID-19. Anybody been troubled by it, struggled with it? There are people who are afraid of getting sick. There are people who are afraid of dying and have been so now for nine months or so. It's a challenge. It's a difficult thing to live in the midst of. Anybody here today who's disappointed because of COVID and what's about to happen at Christmas where we can't do what we normally do, we can't meet here for our Christmas Eve services, we can't even as families beyond our nuclear family gather together. And there's such disappointment in the lives of a lot of people. Um, someone was just saying as, as people arrived today that there are tears in the eyes of some because of the reality of what Christmas will be. You see, the trouble that comes, that's just one thing. There are so many reasons that can produce this sort of difficulty and challenge and heartache in our lives. But I'm here to tell you this. That lack of peace is not what God wants for you, nor does it have to be what is. Philippians 4, 6 says this, Do not be anxious about anything. But by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, make your requests known to God, and the peace that transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. That's a powerful promise. The peace that transcends all understanding, it's beyond rational uh, explanation, it will guard your, your, your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. You know, not that long ago, I was what I would call struggling. It wasn't you know, an awful time in my life, but it was a time where, which was anxious for me, put it that way. And after a little while, this, that situation changed, and I felt almost immediate peace in my heart because the circumstance had changed. And in my time with, in prayer following that, like a day after or so, <clears throat> I was reading in John 10 about Jesus being the shepherd of the sheep. You know, Jesus calls his sheep by name from the pen, and they hear his voice, and they follow him. And it said in that, in that instance, Jesus is our shepherd, and he, as the shepherd, he is unlike the hired man 
John 10 describes, who doesn't really care about the sheep. So when the wolf attacks, the hired man runs away, and, 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 and Jesus said, I'm not like that. I care about the sheep deeply. And the implication is that when the wolf attacks, Jesus is the shepherd. He will be present, and he will fight for the sheep, and he will protect the sheep, keep them in his care. And I sense God just by his spirit quietly saying to me as I sat in prayer, saying, Chris, why do you worry about that? Why did you worry about that? And my answer just seemed to emerge in my mind was because I believe I'm in trouble, my life is somewhat threatened, and I'm alone. That's why I was anxious. What God said to me in that moment is, Chris, you're, you're, you have a shepherd will never leave you alone. You have a shepherd who will protect you. You have a shepherd who is a powerful, the powerful son of God. And whatever the challenge, whatever the difficulty, whatever, whatever the, the, the turmoil that you might be experiencing in life, this shepherd is able. And you don't need to worry. You see, the reality, my friends, is there are times that I can take hold of that in the struggle, and I know incredible peace. And there are times when I'm in the struggle, and I can't quite take hold of it, and I don't know peace. I struggle. I'm anxious. It's just part of me. But the reality is that if we can take hold of the truth of God as spoken to us in Scripture, as mediated through the person of Jesus, that will guard our hearts and minds. It's the truth that we let, as we let it sink into our minds and it, as it moves from our minds into our hearts by the work of the Spirit of God, we can come to a place where we just invite Jesus into our trouble and then relax. And no peace. Philippians 4 says, Make your requests known to God, and the peace of God which transcends understanding will be yours. My friends, this is our possibility because we have such a shepherd. Peace flowing from God to us into our lives because Jesus came and we have been saved by grace, by favor. So much so that we now have Emmanuel with us, as the angel said to Joseph, God with us. So I worry. You know, it's an amazing thing that we can have. So we're called to peace with God, which produces personal peace, peace internally in our experience, especially when we need it the most. But that peace, which has come from God and settles into our hearts, then can flow through us into our relationships, peace with one another. Now, I want to tell you, if you think it's hard to find peace in yourself, sometimes it's even harder to find peace in relationships. Anybody agree with that? Sometimes it's, it's, it's really hard. And why is that? I want to tell you the reason is us. See, there's this thing in us called the power of sin. To be fair, Paul makes it so clear in his writings, this power of sin that's at work in us is not us. We're separate from it and distinct, but it's in us. And that, that reality works in us and it produces struggles in relationships, a lack of peace. Think Genesis chapter 3. After living in harmony with God, Adam and Eve sinned. We don't know how long they lived in that place of harmony. 
but it was beautiful, absolute peace, right? But then they sinned, they rebelled against God, and they became personally troubled. How do I know? Well, when they heard God in the garden, they became fearful, Scripture says, and they hid from him. They were afraid. Trouble. Well, God found them, and immediately uh, what happens is that um, Adam begins to blame Eve for what happened, and then Eve begins to blame the serpent for what happened. I want to tell you, my friends, blaming never creates peace. I hope you know that. It never does. What creates peace in our relationships is taking responsibility for what we have done and said, yeah, you're right, I'm, I was wrong. What creates peace in relationships is us coming to a place where we can confess our sin, not only to God, but to one another, and be okay with that because we're living in the context of grace. We're living, can you think of it as, 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 as a, the bubble of grace? We're surrounded by it. It flows to us from the throne of God. And in that place, we learn what it means to say, I was wrong. We learn to say, please forgive me. We learn to say, you are forgiven because we all know that we all sin and we all make mistakes. Yet we all know that we are loved and it's okay. You know, after chapter 3 with Adam and Eve comes chapter 4. Adam and Eve are obviously separated from God and they are no longer in the garden. And they have two sons, Cain and Abel, but in chapter 4, Cain kills Abel. I would suggest to you that's a really powerful statement. How long does it take for human beings to start killing one another in relationship? See, separated from God, sin in the human heart leads to the first murder of how many? One man, jealous of his brother, develops a hatred for him and takes his life. You see, that's why we needed Jesus to come. That's why we needed favor bestowed upon us by the grace of God in Christ. So that we could have peace with God, so that our hearts could begin to change. Selfishness transformed to love, anger to patience, jealousy to contentedness. Confession and forgiveness as a way of life in the context of grace. You see, we need then and we need God to work in us by his Holy Spirit so that we put off the old and put on the new, as Paul writes in Ephesians, so that we can be changed in the attitude of our minds. Do you understand that? As the truth of God penetrates the mind and the heart, we are changed, we are made new, so that we can become people of peace. People of peace. Who, in our own context, in our own relationships, can create peace as it flows from God into us and from us into our relationships. Into our marriages, into our neighborhoods, into our places of work, into our churches. We're called to be people of peacemaking. Blessed are the peacemakers, Jesus said. The Prince of Peace spoke that as he himself was a peacemaker. Well, as that happens in our relationships because of the peace that we have with God and the peace that enters our personal lives and the peace in our relationships, so then we have the potential of peace in our world. Do you believe there's the potential for peace in this world? You know, peace because God's favor has descended upon his people and is given to them in an ongoing fashion. 
The history of the world is a history of war. I was thinking when I studied history at university, my goodness, how a lot of history revolved around international conflicts which often ended up in war. Remember back to our series from Daniel, Daniel chapter 7, the last one talked about the four empires, the Babylonian Empire, the Persian Empire, the Greek Empire, and then finally the Roman Empire. Every one of those empires ended. They declined into the point of collapse because of war. They were conquered. They were defeated in battle. Jump forward to the Middle Ages. You know, you have, you have the Hundred Year War. You've got the War of the Roses. You've, you've got the Napoleonic Wars. Jump over to the United States. You've got the War of Independence. And later on, you've got the most bloody and murderous war that ever existed, the Civil War. And then, then after that, you know, the Crimean War, the Boer War, the World War I, World War II, the Korean War, which I know wasn't a war, but it was a war. <laughs> then the Gulf War more recently. I am just scratching the surface. I could go on literally all day if somebody would give me a list of wars that were, have been fought in the last 2,000 years. And why is this? Well, it's the same reason. Something going on in the human heart. Desire for power. Desire for revenge. Desire for wealth. Pride. See, it all starts here in us. In our hearts. You have to ask yourself honestly with the history of war that we have, it, the history of the human race as it is, is it even possible that we might know peace? See, I believe the Bible's answer is unequivocal. Not without the favor and the grace of God. Which we received in the person of Jesus Christ, an infant born into a manger in Bethlehem. And without the reality of that one, the Lord Jesus, the Prince of Peace, continuing to allow a never-ending flow of peace to flow from the throne of God into our lives and then into our world. See, Jesus came. Can I put it this way to you? Jesus came into this world to create peace. Peace with you and me. Peace in our relationships. Peace in this world. That's why he came. My friends, we can join him as peacemakers, those who are blessed. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. If we can become peacemakers in our lives and in this world of ours, literally we will be so identified with God because he is the peacemaker ultimately that we will be called his children. You see it? And I want to tell you when Jesus Christ returns, he will, he will create peace on earth. I want to read to you the, the great passage from Isaiah chapter 9 that uh, I love to read at this time of the year. I'm going to go from verse 2 to verse 7. Listen to this. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. Think about how people have walked in darkness and the war that it's caused. The acrimony, the hatred, the, the violence, the revenge. People walking in darkness... We have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. You know who that is, don't you? You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning. Mm, isn't that good? 
will be fuel for the fire. For unto us a child is born. To us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. He'll bear the weight of it. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father. Say it with me. Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. And then this, the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Wow. My friends, Jesus came to make peace between you and God, to create peace in your heart as you embrace the truth that he has revealed to us in Scripture. You've got a shepherd, and you need never fear because he is with you, and he will fight for you and deal with your issues, struggles, difficulties. And he came to create peace in your relationships as we become peacemakers, as we embrace the way of Christ himself and the way of the God who gives favor to those who don't deserve it. And he came to create peace in his world. Let me ask you, just to bring some real application to this, where can you make peace today? I really want you to apply this. You've heard about who Jesus is. You've heard about the will of God. You've heard about why Christ came as an infant of Bethlehem. You've heard what's in the heart of God and the zeal that God has for peace over this entire world, which one day will happen by God's grace. But where can you make peace as his follower today? Well, obviously I want to start with those who may not yet have made peace with God. There could be people here today, people listening, and you just haven't gotten to that place in your life yet. But you can receive him into your life. You can confess all your sin before him without fear knowing that he will forgive you because he is a merciful and forgiving God. You can welcome him into your life. And I want to tell you, if you will welcome the Lord into your life, he will welcome you into his life with open arms, gladly and with great joy because what he longs for is peace with you. Are there some here today who need to make peace with God? You say, yeah, I believe in this one named Jesus who came so long ago, and I believe that he came that I might have peace with God forever. Some of you today might need to think about how you might find peace in your own lives. What I've suggested to you is no matter what your problem, no matter what your struggle, no matter what your difficulty, it's available to you and to me. <laughs> And those of us who are believers, we need to pursue this until we find it. Christ is with us, and Jesus is able. For some of you, it might be in relationships, and I hope and pray if it is that God's Spirit has just been touching your heart and mind throughout this whole talk. And you said, it's, it's, I need to make peace in my marriage. I need to make peace with my children or my parents. I need to make peace with that person at work with whom I'm at war, my neighbor. I don't know. But I'm asking you, is there an, a relationship in which you need to be a peacemaker so as to allow the peace of God to flow from the throne room of God into your life and through your life into other relationships? I 
And then, my friends, is there any way that we can make peace in this world out there? I want to read to you Romans 15, verse 13 from the New Living Translation. It says this. This is, this is the Apostle Paul's prayer, right? This is his heart's desire, his longing for God's people. I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. You see, that's God's will for your life and mine, that we live in the context of peace and where it is lacking that we give ourselves to it. You see, God is the source of peace. He has created the possibility of peace in Christ and he calls us to share it with him. Listen, my friends, because of Jesus' birth, there will be a never-ending flow of glory from us to God. Because of the birth of Jesus, there will be a never-ending flow of peace from God to us. Let's be peacemakers. Let's give our lives to this dynamic. And let's honor the Prince of Peace who has come, that this world, our worlds, and this world as a whole, might be what Jesus came to give us. Let's pray. Lord God, your will for us is peace. You are the ultimate peacemaker. You are the God of grace who has bestowed his favor on his people, that we might be united with you in a relationship of love and of harmony. God, if there's anyone listening to this today, again, either here or digitally, I just pray, we pray with all of our hearts, God, that you will reach into that person's mind and into their heart and give them the desire to say yes to Jesus so that there may be a peace between the two of you that is profound and real. God, we just pray that the peace from that point will flow into our lives, their lives. Lord, that the peace would flow into our relationships, that the peace would flow into this world so that your will is done on earth as it is in heaven. Father, we thank you for the gift of your son, the Lord Jesus, that child of Bethlehem, We thank you for the favor that you have shown and that you continue to show. We thank you for the grace that has been given the goodness of God to us, which we do not deserve. Lord, help help us to live in the context of grace. Not only to receive it, but Lord, to give it. That peace might be known in this world. That your will might be done. So God, we pray. In the precious name of Jesus, amen.